Hello and welcome. I'm Uri. And I'm Rifki. And you're listening to Talking Talkless, the podcast where we talk about Jewish life and life in general. So Rifki, we've been starting the last few episodes with listener feedback, and we got some some really good stuff this week. Mm-hmm. It's always exciting, I think, to really like feel like people are not just like, oh, great episode, or ooh, I don't know, I didn't love it, but like really engaging with the ideas. Yeah, and spending time and writing up uh, long emails yeah. with all their thoughts and ideas. We love getting that <laughs> stuff and then responding to it. Mm-hmm. So friend of the show, Eitan, wrote an elaborate email that touched on a lot of different topics that we raised last week. And I wanted to read a little bit from his email. He actually started by talking about the uh, our out-of-towner yeah, um, discussion. And he gave a really funny story that he, that he heard that he says from a reliable source, basically about a guy who was in Cleveland, let's say, and um, he was in shul. And a friendly community member comes over to him and says, hey, are you from out of town? And the guy... Meaning like he's just trying to say like, oh, are you a visitor? Are you right, you're coming to visit right. the community? And the guy responds, no, I'm from Brooklyn. Meaning he didn't even understand what that meant in that context. That's how really in town cute. he was. So that was a cute story. But then Eitan continues getting to the featured segment of the show. I think you guys went pretty soft on Omar and Ocasio-Cortez. I definitely agree that they are getting too much attention in the news, but that is partly because they thrust themselves into the public eye, and Democrats want them to get a lot of attention to begin with, to make their party seem young and exciting, parentheses to counter the elderly Bernie, Nancy Pelosi, and Elizabeth Warren as the faces of the Democratic Party. I'll try to keep this short, but first, Uri was absolutely right that Representative Omar... We could just end it there. (laughs) That Representative Omar did in fact say the negative reactions she has been getting were because she is Muslim. From the town hall she was recently at, she said, Rashid Tlaib and I are Muslim. A lot of our Jewish colleagues, our constituents and allies go to thinking that everything we say about Israel is anti-Semitic because we are Muslim. To me, it is something defined to end the debate. So thank you, Eitan, for that support of what I said (laughs) and Rifki's challenge to me. um, That yes, she is very clearly saying that the attacks against her are because she's Muslim. And I think she, in fact, is the one ending the debate because she's not addressing what she actually said and the content of what she said because she's saying they're just attacking me because I'm Muslim, they're Islamophobic. And that's, and that's the end of the, of the story, um, which is obviously, um, to me at least, very not true. I mean, Rifki, what do you think about Eitan's comments there? Yeah, I think Eitan brought in a good point. I, I think that particular quote also is, is pretty strong. And, but I also think that she's not wrong. I think when someone, like if um, if I were a right-wing Israel supporter and I stood up and said, American Jews need to figure out uh, where their allegiances lie, do you think that it would get the exact same reaction as when she said it? If you're Jewish and you're saying that, yeah. then no, it's not the same. Yeah, because <laughs> the people consider the identity of the person speaking as part of it. Right. So, But that's not because she's Muslim. That's because she's not Jewish. That's very different. Okay. So let's say it's a right-wing Christian, right? I'm saying, meaning all of your identities come into play. It's the fact that she's left-wing. It's the fact that she's Muslim. It's the, like all of these things I think are related. And we put we make assumptions about what they mean, even the words that they don't say, with the actual words that they say. And I think that we have to be fair about that. I think that is true. I think it's something to keep in mind. I think if a white Christian said the exact same things that she said, that person would get in at least as much, if not more trouble. What if that person in the past had said much more pro-Israel things? 
I don't know. I, I, that you're throwing in these extra variables, it's, it's, I think they would still get in plenty of trouble um, because those things are just inherently on their own um, very problematic. I, I, also, I want to be clear. Like, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing that we consider a context, right? right? It is valuable to take all of one's statements into account when one is making sort of uh, decisions about what they mean. Yeah. But I think for her to say like, oh, people are seeing this differently because I'm Muslim is like a pretty reasonable thought to say. Right. Well, actually, Rifki, continuing in Eitan's email, he actually does throw you a bone. Um, Eitan continues. <laughs> Thanks, Eitan. Yeah, Eitan continues. What Rifki said, that she, meaning Omar, is partially right, has some validity. Everyone has biases and maybe some overreact to her than if it were, say, Bernie Sanders. She still didn't... Who, by the way, came out very strongly... In, like, supportive yeah, exactly. of Omar, right. Still, and, and but by the way, also, Bernie Sanders got plenty of um, criticism when he was running for president for his overly harsh critiques of Israel. It's not like he got a free pass on that. Do you that. think the criticism he received is the same as the criticism Well, he didn't use received? the same tropes that she did. Sure. Okay, but continuing Eitan's thing. Still, she didn't criticize Israel policy or try to advocate for Palestinians. She implied that Congress supports Israel because of Jewish money and that she shouldn't be expected to have allegiance to a foreign country as Jews in America do. Mm -hmm. Both of those claims are anti-Semitic, but really just untrue. America and Israel have been close allies for strong ideological and practical reasons. So I think that's a really good point. So first of all, yes, there is Islamophobia. It exists. And... Representative Omar is receiving a lot of it, especially as an example with that uh, poster in the Republican uh, right. Senate. What was it? The state it was Senate West Virginia. in West Virginia. Yeah. Definitely Islamophobic, definitely bigoted, inappropriate, whatever you want to say. And let's all condemn that. Um, but what Eitan is saying here, and I, th- I don't think he's the only one saying this, Omar's tweets and comments in, in these most recent controversies don't even relate directly to Israeli policy. Right. They're she about didn't talk Jews about in America. She yeah, didn't she, talk about exactly. the Likud party. She didn't mention any... Right. She didn't totally say occupation. Agree. She just said, we're talking about American Jews it, specifically, and there's, there's support for Israel, you could say, in AIPAC, whatever, but that's not even about any particular Israeli policies. And so for her to hide behind, oh, everything's Islamophobic, or for her to hide behind, hey, or this is, you know, Nancy Pelosi or others said we have to realize that not every criticism of Israel is anti-Semitic. They, that's like what people keep saying and saying. Yes, of course, that's true. But that doesn't mean that what she said is not anti-Semitic. That's not a direct response to these comments. Um, and I think uh, a lot of the conversations around this and other things also, obviously, are just people are, aren't being honest about what they're saying, what they're actually defending and how they're defending it. As we've spoken about, it comes down a lot of times, I think, to just teams. Um, this is my team. I'm going to defend them, even right. though it doesn't really, it's not consistent with my general, you know, right. belief system and whatever. And I think that's versa. what's hard about like Nancy Pelosi, who her job is to be the team leader and bring all these different factions right. together. The Democrats are in a very specific spot where there are a lot of different pockets who all believe very strongly in different things. And Nancy Pelosi's job is to keep everyone together. So I can imagine why she had sort of a tough time coming up with a statement. Right. I mean, she did condemn her uh, last time, and then yeah. this time they passed that bill, yeah. but they didn't mention her name. It wasn't just about anti-Semitism. Before we move on, we yeah. should also mention that Janine Pirro, who's a Fox News personality, over the weekend, I think it was, waded into this Ilhan Omar controversy situation and had uh, some pretty offensive things to say about her. Fox News is condemning one of its own anchors, Janine Pirro, after comments made during her show Saturday night. Pirro questioned Congresswoman Ilhan Omar's allegiances because... Omar wears a head covering. Listen to this. Think about it. 
Omar wears a hijab, which according to the Quran 33 uh, colon 59 tells women to cover so they won't get molested. Is her adherence to this Islamic doctrine indicative of her adherence to Sharia law, which in itself is antithetical to the United States Constitution? Uri, I don't, I don't know what you thought when I watched that piece, but of, for, of course, my first instinct was about shaitals and about mm-hmm. kippahs and just thinking that if someone had, had made that exact statement, but was saying, you know, think about it, Jewish men wear kippahs you know, and they think about Jewish law and they think about halacha, you know, oh, what does that say for, you know, their ultimate values and can we even trust them? That would have made well, me right. so uncomfortable. I see the analogy and I agree it's extremely inappropriate. And what, without getting too much into this topic, I don't think it's the same thing because I, I think a conversation about Sharia law is not out of the realm of acceptable conversation. She obviously brought it up in the wrong way and in a very inappropriate way. I'm just making a side point that <laughs> that there is You're a conversation get in a lot of no that there is a conversation there that I don't think is out of bounds but this was obviously not the way to bring it up and obviously that was she probably said it to be I don't know aside from being racist to be like controversial and to yeah to that's be, probably to why be people, viral and offensive and right, know, right. get people talking about her but I, I mean Uri, I, I don't know enough about Sharia law I took one intro to Islam class when I studied abroad for a semester and Islam is split up into many different factions, um, but I think it is definitely a minor, especially for well. That's obviously Islam another thing to generalize. And, and Ilhan about one Omar has person, never, yeah. ever. I mean, you can, you can. She has a lot of public statements, and you can read things. She has never, ever talked about spreading Sharia law. Well, it's funny that, because that is a major. Yeah, Linda uh, Sarsour has not about spreading it, but she's talked about. So what? I'm just saying it's not like they don't talk about it, and she, or that she hasn't well, brought I, I, it up. I, I don't know, but what did she say? That her, she had that tweet on the list of tweets that people bring up of the stuff that she said. One of them is about Sharia law is not so bad. No credit card debt sounds pretty good, right? So that's what Linda that said. sounds like a joke. That sounds like. But she said it, and she wasn't joking. Meaning, it's as if like I tweeted out like, "Ah, oh, halacha sounds pretty good, right? I mean, you can't charge interest, so people can't go into crazy debt." Like I you agree say, that like, it's crazy. Oh, so <laughs> there's a conversation about ta- halacha taking over the country. How has that? How does that the same thing? Oh, you're you're saying it's a joke that I'm bringing it up, or it's a joke that no, she no, said that? No, I'm saying that. she's making. It sounds like she's making a joke. Oh, but like, I don't ah, think it doesn't she was. Sound, so why not? Has she made other statements? Meaning, like that feels like a. If she, if this you is can a look up the tweet thing. and see if yeah, you think sure. it was a joke. Okay, uh, I'll I'll do that. Um, but either way, I, you know, I think I think we definitely agree that that the way that uh, Janine Pirro <laughs> treated her is. is wildly inappropriate but that and again that doesn't mean that what Ilan omar said was okay 100 percent. but when she talks about feeling under attack and feeling like there's islamophobia sort of on a, a following around her right you know she's not wrong okay before before we finish this topic i just want to add one more thing i know what i said about sharia law and, and islam could be taken in the wrong way so first of all i'm not an expert in islam or sharia law for sure. So I don't want to make any statements about that, assuming that. Good but, disclaimer. But more importantly, I also don't know anything about Ilhan Omar's particular religious views or which sect of Islam she's a part of. So I don't want to make any assumptions about her. But what I'm trying to say is that if she, if she was, I think it's fair to ask her, what are your thoughts on Sharia law? And if she thinks, you know, and I think it's fair in the same way that when Joseph Lieberman was running as vice president and he's an observant Jew, he was asked about halacha. He was asked about particular things that are that are complicated or, or questionable or, you know, whether in terms of women's things, blessing, thanking God for not making him a woman or more broad things about how he perceives the constitution in relation to Jewish law. He was asked all of those questions and no one said it was inappropriate. So I 
also think if you ask it in the right way and discuss it in the right way, it's, it is appropriate to have a conversation about Islam as well. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, there, there's definitely a way to do it appropriately, right? I think that the question of saying, hey, um, do you not respect the Constitution because you care about Sharia <laughs> okay, law would okay, maybe okay, not yeah, be the best approach. Maybe but not. to say, you know, how does Sharia law influence the way that you choose to behave, mm-hmm. I think is, is totally a reasonable and, well, reasonable if you believe that that's, that sort of thing is appropriate to ask a politician, mm-hmm. um, which... Which I do. Okay. Yeah. It's actually, I'm actually not sure how I feel about okay. it because religion feels so personal. Like, I don't feel... Well, po- politicians are asked all the time about their religious views. You could say that in yeah. general is, is no, problematic. No, that's exactly what I'm talking they, about. Like, yeah, it's a weird... That's always scrutinized. It's a weird thing. That in America, that, at least. Yeah. Um, because it really is so personal when we think about religion as a relationship we have with God. Like, it's like, hey, let me ask you some quick questions about your relationship with God. Like, mm-hmm. no. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely hear what you're saying. That was a good disclaimer. Okay. Constitution says freedom of religion. Well, that's what some people think. No, really, it's freedom from religion. From religion. To take you where you want to go. Call it who and what you please. Rain down your love on everyone. Bring me to my knees. So moving away temporarily from anti-Semitism and Jews and <laughs> yeah, we're Israel. we're probably done, right? We'll never get back there. F- for the moment. Um, this past Saturday, on the front page of the New York Times, there was a big picture of the U.S. women's soccer team. And the headline of that article was, U.S. women's team takes a stand as gender disparities remain widespread. Here's a clip from NBC's Today Show explaining the story. An elite team of soccer stars kicking off a new fight for equality. 28 members of the U.S. women's national soccer team filing a gender discrimination lawsuit against the U.S. Soccer Federation. The suit argues the Federation has a policy and practice of discriminating against players on the women's squad. It goes on to allege unequal pay and working conditions compared to the men's team, even though their performance has been superior to that of male players. While the U.S. men have never won a World Cup, the women's team has notched three cups and four Olympic gold medals. That sustained success and popularity, according to the suit, has led to more matches, training camps, travel and media sessions for the women's team. The filing brought on International Women's Day comes three months before the U.S. women try to defend their World Cup crown. Back in 2016, a wage discrimination complaint was filed by five U.S. players with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, catapulting stars like Hope Solo, Alex Morgan, and Megan Rapino into the spotlight as champions for equal pay. So I think this is a pretty compelling story. Um, it obviously fits into the bigger picture of equal pay, equal opportunity, women's rights. But Rifki, I mean, as a woman and a person what do you think about that and a sports fan i should add that's true that's very important as part of your identity um what do you think about this story i think it's a really interesting story i'm actually not a soccer person so much do you ever watch soccer i have watched it yes uh-huh. <laughs> uh the truth is that really the only time i watch or fo- well when i 
why do I keep mentioning study abroad? But what, I studied abroad in Ghana, which is a big soccer country. Mm. So when I was in Ghana, I watched a few soccer games. I actually did find them pretty exciting, which mm-hmm. I didn't think I would because, you know, low scoring and, you know, stuff right. like that. But it's actually pretty fun well, to watch. I think watch. most Americans, including myself, have gotten into the World Cup over yes. the last couple of rounds. Yes. That's been very big. And, and I'm always excited because Ghana is often a, a real contender. Right. I think the U.S. lost to Ghana. I think that was couple two times World ago, right. Cups ago. Yeah. Um, and that was like a pretty exciting Was bracket. that when you were there or no? It wasn't. It was, I think the summer after I got, I think it was, it was 2010 maybe. So I think it was the summer after uh-huh. I got back okay. and whatever. And you know, that, that's not the point. But Dual it, loyalty it, there. I, oh my God. <laughs> that's a really good point. <laughs> so I was definitely rooting for Ghana. I'm like, oh, uh-huh. we have enough. Um, but I, I, so I'm not really a soccer person. And the truth is that, you know, I, I have to, you know, be honest about myself. Like I, I don't, I follow major leagues, right? So really like I follow the NBA I know some of the WNBA players, but I don't really follow any teams or uh, really so you don't consider watch WNBA those games to be on a, a regular basis. League? Yes, that's exact. I think that is a, a fair thing to say. You Meaning heard it here. I watch. I watch the NFL, right? Like I watch. There's a. There's actually like a, a women's football league. Do you know anything about this? Did we ever talk about this on the show? Is I don't that the know. one where we they probably, like wear bikinis? Yeah, and- exactly. I think we discussed it in email way before the show actually oh, right, even started. Okay. But it's incredibly offensive and really disturbing. <laughs> um, and you know, if you, like I'll go to Yankees games, but I don't follow baseball, you know, as intensely. But the truth is that I'm not a, a big follower of women's sports. I actually. Probably the the sport I would follow the most with women's is college basketball, which mm-hmm. I follow so little for both men and women. Uh-huh. Um, but I think that college basketball women's is actually pretty exciting sometimes, especially well, so like UConn dynasty. I know this is all part of your disclaimer, but do you have an explanation of why it is that you don't follow women's sports? I think honestly, the reason that people follow one thing over the other is that they have easier access. Like when I turn on the TV, there's a basketball game on. There's a men's basketball game on. In, in this season, right? Yesterday, I turned on the TV and the, the Grizzlies and the Magic were playing. Uh, we're in New York, <laughs> but we're watching the Memphis Grizzlies and the Orlando Magic, right? They're, it, the New York female sports team could very well have been playing at the same time, but the networks aren't showing it. So you if think the it's a question of access? It, I think for, for me as a fan, it's, it's a question of access. Now, I think that might not be true for everyone, but for me, uh, my first instinct is if both of them were on, which one would I watch? I actually have no idea. Probably switch back and forth depending on commercials. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I probably would actually watch the Grizzlies and the Magic more because I actually know some of the players and because I follow the league and the playoffs are coming up and I'm kind of interested in like who's going to make it, right? Orlando is sort of like teetering on the edge of number eight for the division. But I don't know anything that's going on in the WNBA because I have no access right, to so it. Right, so that's all like the catch-22 right, kind of exactly, argument. exactly, exactly. And that's that's part of the question here, Uri, that I think both sides have a little bit of validity to. Right, The women are arguing that they deserve to get more money. They don't get the money. They don't get promoted in the same way. They don't get respect in the same way. And then the, the leagues and the owners are saying, yeah, well, once you start bringing us revenue the same way the men's leagues and the men's teams do, then you will earn that and you will get that. And the women are saying, you don't give us access to even get to that point. How are we supposed supposed to bring in revenue if we're not being shown in the in the national spotlight the same way the men's are right. so and, and everyone's kind of right right like there, there isn't one clear you know maybe there's an expectation that I or someone like me would just be quick to be like oh it's because they're sexist I don't think they're sexist honestly like I think they're capitalists mm-hmm. I think they're looking to pay everyone as little money as possible and they know that with women they can get away with it more I think that's sort of the sad reality. They can get away with it more because it's true that women's leagues and women's teams bring in less revenue. And 
maybe, probably, a big part of that is because they don't give them those prime spots, right? All of these things are true, but they're not doing it because they're women and they hate women. I mean, maybe they are and they don't tell me, but it doesn't seem like that's why they're doing it. It seems like they're doing it because they think and maybe are correct that they just make more money in other ways. I don't know, Uri, what what do you think about this? Yeah, I think you make a lot of uh, interesting points. You know, my first thought about some of these issues is like, yeah, the women make less money because people aren't as interested in women's sports. But then if you say, well, they're not as interested because they're just not exposed to it. I don't have an argument against that. Like that is, it is true that they're not right. exposed to it. it like, is, let's think about sports that are primarily women, like sports like gymnastics right. well, or the, figure skating. So the New York skating. Times article said for gymnastics oh, and field hockey that. were the two examples that they brought up where there is not a disparity. There may actually even be women paid more. They didn't specify, but they just said there's not a disparity because those are those are sports where in their origin um, were heavily um, you know, women comprised a lot right. of the athletes. Like in that I think sport. about volleyball also, uh-huh. where like I think there are more famous volleyball players who are female. I actually have no idea. I wonder if like female volleyball players make more than male volleyball players. Could be right. Sure. They, they didn't talk about that in in this particular article. I mean, another interesting thing that I that I thought in, you know in the New York Times article, and it looks like the argument that is being made in the lawsuit itself is that it's from the women's U.S. soccer team, and they're saying, hey, the men's soccer team hasn't been doing that well, you know, ever, basically. Right. And um, the women's soccer team has won four gold medals, um, a bunch of World Cups. Right. Like, they're awesome. And so we should be making at least as much as the men because we're so much better than the men. And the one thing that I think is, like, the glaring, um, you know, thing that they're not mentioning when it comes to that is I think the reason why, I mean, Rifki, tell me if you think I'm off because this is just my perception of it. But, like, let's say in the Olympics in particular, the U.S., um, women's teams always do incredibly well in almost every event. I think that's largely because women's sports are so heavily funded in America compared to other countries where women's sports are not um, given as much opportunity and funding. And so, you know, in, so for example, in, in hockey, in men's hockey, the U.S. is competitive, but like they lose all the time, aside from Canada, to all kinds of like European and Eastern European countries. But because I think those countries don't have the type of women's opportunities that uh-huh. the, in America does, the U.S. women's hockey team right. dominates that's interesting. Every year after year. I, I have no idea if that's true. I mean, I'm sure we could, we could look this up. That's my theory. It, it, it I, could very well be true. Yeah. I think it's a little bit interesting because of Title IX laws mm-hmm. and how it, it works with college sports. College sports really have to give a lot of attention to women. And right. it could also be that a lot of women who come up right. like in they hockey. They get that training exactly, because of that. Exactly. And if in, yeah. other, in other countries, they don't really get access to the, well, those same yeah. facilities and, and things that's like a, that. That's a really good point. And that's actually something else that I wanted to, to bring up, which is that do we think think there's a difference between professional sports versus college sports or or lower like high school or whatever meaning so there is title nine which was passed in 1972 and it ta- mentioned again in this article the article says that it's it's a landmark federal law mandating gender equity in higher education including college sports so right. in college sports where nobody is paid anything which is a whole other discussion of should they be paid or not so no athletes are paid, but there's an actual law in America that women's programs have to be funded equally right. to men's programs. I'm not sure. I could be wrong with this. I don't think they're funded equally. Or, or the like, equal I don't opportunity. Think it's, yeah. Like, uh-huh. I don't think it's like, okay, if we give one million here, we also give one million right. here. I don't think it works that like that. That makes more sense, actually. Um, but yes, but. they are meant to be the same resource or, or else it is considered discrimination. Yeah. So personally, I think 
that makes sense to me. Meaning, I I'm all for the Title IX、um, college law that says for students. And for like young people、yeah. who are. By the way, I just want to add,、mm-hmm. Title IX is not just about sports. Right, right. Title、That's、IX the, is, is about sex discrimination、said. in general. This thing said, right? Higher education, including college sports,、right. for sure. But in terms of this, this, I mean, I believe、right. in it in other areas、yeah. also. Like Title IX is the reason that when if a woman on campus brings a rape allegation, Title IX is part of the reason why it doesn't automatically go to the police. It goes first to the university because the university has this Title IX responsibility to give women、uh-huh. the same. Like Title IX is like actually kind of confusing, and in some、uh-huh. ways, it's a little bit problematic.、Uh-huh. But Title IX is, I think, is most famously thought of as with its connection to sports here、right. and giving women、uh, th- this opportunity、uh-huh. in the same same way as men. Right. Okay. So when when we're talking about a context of young people and education and people actually paying to go to the schools, where I know. Side point: A lot of athletes don't pay because they're、right. given scholarships. But、yeah. that being in general, students pay to attend college. They should be given equal opportunities to engage in activities and classes and sports and everything like that. I think it's a completely different discussion when you're talking about the free market. And professional sports leagues, where the market determines how much people make and how much people pay to attend those events, and which networks are going to show those events on TV. I think it's okay to nudge the country in a, in a direction like, "Hey, let's give women a chance. Let's show them on TV, even if the ad revenue is not going to be as high as the men's." But up to a point, I think it's really a, a little bit ludicrous for the women's soccer team to say we should be paid equally to the men, unless they show actual data that justifies that in terms of the markets. Right. Meaning the the only way I think what you're saying, the only way the women are going to be able to make the case to the leagues or to the owners that they should be able to have equal、um, equal TV opportunity,、uh, equal. Revenue sharing, or whatever, whatever they want to put into these contracts, or they should literally be making the same bonuses for winning tournaments, things like that.、Um, the only way they're going to be able to do that is by actually showing data that they're making the same, they're bringing in the same revenue with jersey sales, with、uh, ad revenue, like or some sort、things. of alternative、right. um, justification. I mean, the, the, right, and the, that that、yeah. goes back to the chicken or the egg because right, they're right. saying we can't prove that because you're not giving us the opportunity to prove that. No one knows who we are, and therefore they're、right. not able to do that. I actually read, and I'm not sure how I'm not sure about this because I actually found a lot of different conflicting stuff online. And if anyone has like a concise, actual,、uh, any actual real data to show us, we'd be happy to read it. Talkingtalkspodcast at gmail dot com. But I was reading, and it was kind of interesting that basically when you go into the men's U.S. men's soccer team and you go into the U.S. men U.S. Women's soccer team. Actually, the women jersey by jersey sell many more because people actually know their names. Right, right? people don't really know the individual men's players because you know they're not as famous. Yeah, I could hear that being true. I, I'm willing to accept that if if I was shown the information or whatever. If someone says it, I'll, I'll believe them.、Um, but I think it's interesting the soccer discussion versus, let's say, the basketball discussion,、right. which is also talked about in this article. Much more. Um, severe disparity in basketball, where it talks about how the minimum salary requirement for an NBA player is something like 1.23 million, and that is equal to the salary cap for an entire team of WNBA、mm-hmm. players. So there's clearly a massive disparity. But also, who watches the WNBA and who、right. goes to the games? Right, and, and that's the case that the owners are making. I think what's what's interesting, and this is sort of, I guess, this is sort of my take about this entire thing. And I think that this is true for soccer. This is true for basketball. This is true for for sports in general. And I think for for markets in general is that the owners don't want to pay anyone more than they can get away with. Think of it like any sort of.、Um, 
any sort of market. Think about a union, right? A union is when people come together and say, we're not going to take this. What you're doing is unfair, either with these low wages or uh, making us work so hard or the difficult conditions of the, of the job, right? All of these things might be true. And a union is what brings people together and say, if you're not going to give us our demands, we're going to walk away. Right. But the, the trouble is that in some sports, women don't have enough power or they're not um, sort of cohesive enough to be able to do that. Right. And when we have other examples in the history of women's sports, right, we have tennis players. Right. We have Venus and Serena Williams who very who, who made it very clear we will walk away and we will bring other top players with us if you do not meet our demands. And they want, right? And that's the thing with, I think, all labor is that if you can come together and if you have strong leaders and you can get public sympathy to your side, right? And if you can beat the owners, so to speak, that's the only way they're going to give you what you want. Right. Because they don't care who is winning and who deserves, quote unquote, more money. They you're care. more likely to win with that type of pressure, the boycotting, 100%. union pressure right. than by the idealistic right. argument. Exactly. Right. For women's soccer to say, oh, you should pay us more because we're doing so much better. I, I don't think that the case that they're, and I could be wrong about this. I don't think that the reason they're bringing this lawsuit is because they think that the owners are going to say, you know what, that's a good point. Or even because the government's going to say that's a good point. I think they're hoping that public opinion is going to turn enough away from the owners and say, look at this. These women deserve more than They'll the pressure. Exactly. Then the organization is going to think to themselves, hey, we want to look good. We want people to support us. We want people to continue coming to our games, buying our jerseys, all these things. A, if they don't like us and they think we're bad, Bad, they're not going to do those things. And B, if these women walk, all we have is a crappy men's soccer team. Right. So well, actually, I, they're, the, they're yeah. a little scared of that. And that's the only way to win. Speaking as someone who is not a huge sports fan, but I think a lot of times the reason why people like sports is because people want to see like, who is the fastest? Who is the strongest? Who is the best at this physical feat? And generally speaking, men tend to be faster and stronger than women. That's why they have separate leagues. You know, like, if it's one thing in contact sports, you can give other reasons why they would be separated. But what about like in golf, when it's just a one person at a time? Why did there need to be a men's golf league and a women's? It's because the men hit the ball harder. And to make it more fair for the women, they give them a, a different league, which I understand. And, and that's fine. But as a fan, which I'm not a golf fan, but somebody's watching it, it there is a logic to say... I want to, if I have a choice between the men and the women, I'm, I want to watch the one that's hitting the ball farther because that's more impressive to me. And it's not because they're sexist. It's just objectively yeah, so speaking. So, I think you could very well be true, but because we've never actually seen it in, in live, right? We've never actually been in a world where there's actually equal access and the data shows like, no, 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 like... It happens to be that people are just interested in the in the better athlete, right? I, I think mm -hmm. we just don't have enough cases of things like that. And there are also sports in which in which uh, the men are still more powerful than the women, right? Like uh, gymnastics, right? But well, people are right. way well, more interested in, yes, in women's because, gymnastics. Well, I think, first of all, I'm just giving a theory. I'm not saying I think this is definitively yeah, yeah, sure. the end of the conversation. But I also think gymnastics is not just about who can do the most flips, who can spin the most, jump the highest, whatever it is. There's a there's a, an art to it, and there's all these other elements that are not about strength in particular, and therefore women are not at a disadvantage when it comes to that element of the sport. And it, for whatever reasons, cultural, societal, I think a lot of people would actually prefer to watch women's gymnastics to over men's mm -hmm. gymnastics. Or let's say tennis. They talked about tennis in the article. Tennis, they said there are still inequalities, but in the major tournaments, the pay is actually equal. Right. And I know that women's uh, tennis is very popular right. in a lot yeah. of have you Have you been to the US Open ever? No. So I went... Um, 
only once like two years ago and i saw it's basically what happens is like you kind of get like a a day pass or an evening pass Mm -hmm. and you just see whoever's playing that day it's like kind of a funny system it happens to be that i saw a a men's top player and a women's top player i just got lucky that day and the women's top player that i saw was serena williams Mm -hmm. it is first of all the stadiums are not often filled up. It was filled up yeah. for Serena Williams. And honestly, you you could really see why. You saw a, an athlete in her absolute prime, and she was crushing it. She was crushing her opponent. It was incredible. I, I've never seen a single player dominate. I mean, I've never seen LeBron James play. I've never seen Michael Jordan play in person. But to see what Serena Williams was doing to her opponent, and it was a one-on-one matchup, was was absolutely mind-blowing. So, I mean, Uri, I hear what you're saying in like a... If it's a man versus a woman, you know, one of the Because I think a lot of people game. would say, like, right. yeah, oh, Serena Williams so great. Obviously, she's a world-class athlete. What would happen if she played the top man? A lot of people, I think, would be curious what would happen. And I think what would probably happen would be she would lose. Probably. I'm assuming. It's funny because my instinct was, I thought you were going to say, she would win. I don't know. Um, about, I, don't, I mean, there was the battle of the sexes, right? In, in, yeah, but that in the guy 70s. was much older. Right, and, he was older. <laughs> um, but I think... Part of the question is people are not just paying to see who's going to win and who's going to lose. They're paying because they want to see the action. Right. Serena Williams brings people to tennis. And when Serena Williams is someone who has power and she and her sister Venus were able to change those laws because of their power, because right. they could say, we're going to walk. We're not going to play Wimbledon if yeah. you don't change it. If you're not going to give us equal prize money, screw you. And they have enough power that tennis is going to say, we can't lose them. We can't do this to ourselves. And again, that's why I come back to it. This is a labor conversation. Maybe there are elements of sexism embedded in it but i really think that fundamentally that's not really what this is about anything you can do i can do better i can do anything better than you oh you can yes i can oh you can yes i can oh you can yes i can yes i can anything you can be i can be greater sooner or later i'm greater than you no you're not yes i am no you're not yes i am no you're not yes i am yes i am As always, the conversation does not stop here. We would love, love, love to hear your thoughts. Please, especially if you're a sports fan, by the way, because I <laughs> seldom get to talk to sports fans. Please email us at TalkingTalklessPodcast at gmail.com. And of course, join the conversation on our Facebook page, Talking Talkless Podcast. Thanks as always to Drive-In Productions. They're the sponsor of this week's episode. And thank you to Triple Threat Trio featuring Rage Brigade. They are the official band of Talking Talkless. And I forgot, if you didn't already do this, please go rate and review us. Five stars would be great, but we'll honestly take anything. We're that desperate. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.